Hey everybody, it's Bobby and Jared, and we are here with another episode of the Frankincense Podcast. Yes, good to be back in Elkins. Uh, it's July, and I'm telling—I got to tell you, Bobby, West Virginia was looking good today. It was, it yeah. was. I, you know, this is the kind of summer weather that I can appreciate. Yeah, not the heavy downpours that we've been having. <laughs> no, uh, everything's green today. All the little towns looked beautiful today. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good, good spot to be in mm-hmm. wild and wonderful west virginia yes so hey it's good to be back and we have um a special 15 minute uh probably 15 20 minute conversation real quick just to kind yeah. of follow up on something that we happened in our that we discussed in our previous episode yeah around about money to, about money and just this idea that uh you know jesus uh put those two things in binary opposition that um you know you no man can serve two masters. Uh, you know, either you will love one and hate the other, um, or or vice versa. And so, uh, the idea is that you can't serve both God. And I think a lot of Bibles translate a mammon, God and mammon, but you capitalize mammon. So God and money. Mammon is just another word for money. And uh, some Bibles just go ahead and say um, you can't serve both God and money. So uh, you know, sometimes I. Uh, Sometimes I like to think that, uh, you know, Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money, and America said, watch me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not the first country to do this. We're, we're next in line of many. Uh, but I would say that uh, for many of us um, in, in our culture is conducive to this, is that we've, we've sort of made money our God, you know. And so how to know if uh, you've made money your religion Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's that's just the way I've come to put it you know maybe money is your religion and so uh, you know I said last time that I was gonna start a list well here's the list I haven't posted it yet but I thought maybe you and I could could go over it a little bit yes and uh, you know you haven't seen this so you can maybe uh, uh, tell me where I'm right and wrong and just chime in wherever you like Uh, number one money is your scorekeeping method to evaluate who's winning at life Mm. Right. Uh, put it this way. Let's say you know two adult brothers, both alike, in wisdom and uh, you know in uh, prudence. Uh, but uh, one of them is um, financially well off, and the other isn't. You think the richest brother is doing the best? Hmm. So is money your scorecard? That's one way to know. You know, mm-hmm. you look at a bunch of people and you say, "Well, the rich guy's doing the best. He's winning at life." We don't often put it that way, but we kind of think it, all right? Uh, here's the next one. I think I think this is a big deal, okay? Uh, number two, when trouble comes or, or when you cause trouble, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it comes or whether you're responsible for it, your first impulse is to think, how can I use my money to get me out of this? Now, no one stops and says, how can I use my money to get me out of this? But look at the possible solutions you think of to getting yourself out of the trouble you're in, all right? Wealthy people tend to depend on wealth, all right? When something important breaks, we say, I will buy a new one, all right? When we are sick, we say, I want the best doctors. Money is no object. Mm -hmm. There's gotta be some way money can fix this. You know, I need a surgery, I need an operation, I need a drug, okay? Um, When we break the law, we say, I can hire a good lawyer. And, you know, most of us, it makes sense to us, you know, that a wealthy person um, would get um, a more lenient crime sentence, Yeah. you know, because he was able to uh, afford a team of lawyers, right? Um, 
and uh, it's only natural and people have always done this you know we've always thought how can money save me but if your idea is how can money save me and your first impulse is not uh, you know Jesus help me you know or God what have I gotten myself into um, if your first impulse is money's got to be able to fix this somehow I can pay my way out of this yeah then money is your religion possibly it's just an indicator hmm. All right. Uh, number three, money, um, you know, buys us security and comfort and power, and that's what we want. Okay, um, on our own, um, you know, our own power and security and comfort. Um, that's what money gets us outside of God's. You know, and so a lot of times when we think of why we want money, um, are we thinking of it as a means to an end, to greater security, greater uh, power, uh, to make things go our way? Uh, or greater uh, comfort, all right? Um, if you think about um, ancient people and, and the gods they worshiped, let's like go back to like Old Testament and think of like Baal and Asherah and Molech, you know? Uh, essentially, all of these gods were uh, fertility gods, you know? Now, in our day and age, we can only think of fertility as like reproduction or sex, you know? And um, we might think this was out of some sort of sexual depravity. And in fact, you know, some of these, you know, religions did have temple prostitutes. Mm -hmm. You know, they had those all the way into Greek and Roman times, you know, um, in these sort of pagan cultures. Um, but uh, fertility uh, in the ancient world um, uh, was only partly about sex fertility was about wealth you know because you think about the way you gained wealth in those days it was fertility of your crops your livestock mm -hmm. uh, your number of children and the number of children your servants had right mm -hmm. so money was grain livestock and uh and power was uh your number of servants right so wealthy men had armed guards um they had um they had private armies you know a lord in feudal times was just a person who had all of these things you know um so um the way we think in our sinful nature is if I can get my own wealth, great. If I can uh, get a God to give it to me, great. So if you think about why worship Baal and Asherah to increase my own, you know, my own wealth and prosperity, which is going to get me, you know, my own power, security, and comfort, right? And um, it's, it's a little way to sort of uh, be God or have a personal God in your pocket, not one that's so uh, unpredictable and so... Um, uh, so many times um, adverse to, you know, uh, bestowing wealth upon people like the Judeo-Christian God, mm -hmm. you know, or like Jesus, you know. Um, so uh, I would say Rome was like that and, and uh, you know, with temple prostitutes and, and worshiping like fertility gods and, you know, but um, America is much like this now. This is why I'm not surprised that the prosperity gospel is so readily accepted. You know, it's a perfect fit for a culture that is already in love with money. And instead of inventing uh, a, a new God or, um, you know, ditching the God that we believe um, was a part of, you know, forming this country, uh, we want to sort of amalgamate those two, you know, and find a way that um, we can have Jesus and and have a Jesus that blesses us in the way that Baal does, you know, that Asherah does, you know, that we can, um, that, uh, that we can um, basically put the prayer, you know, put the, put the praises in there, put the worship time in, um, and basically uh, name it and claim it and mm -hmm. get what we want, right? It's, it's not different than those, those ancient religions, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us look at um, how, you know, the, the Israelites 
you know, Moses was gone, like, I don't know how long on Mount Sinai. How long yeah. was he gone? You know? I mean, it was 40. 40 days. Yeah. So in a month, they had built a golden calf by melting down, you know, all of their gold and stuff. But, the, you know, if you think about what a calf was to ancient people, you know, that hardly translates today into, like, you know, 21st century America. What is a golden calf? But in those days, a golden calf was milk, meat. You know the promise that you will have baby calves, you know, right? And um, that you, you know, you can increase your own wealth and 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 prosperity. So, it's it it makes perfect sense. All right. Uh, so here's another one. Where are we at? Number four. You favor people who appear upper class over people who appear lower class. Now everybody likes to think they do not do this, but. I was reading the other day in one of my all-time favorite books, uh, Lies My Teacher Told Me by James Lowen. I can't recommend a book more highly. Um, All he is doing is, um, you know, when you get a high school textbook, um, you get sort of an edited version of history. There are not really lies in it, except maybe, well, there's some, but but mostly it's lies of omission, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've left out key things in order to... um, um, turn um, historical figures uh, into heroes that we can emulate um, you know and and all but um, but in order to make them heroes we sometimes have to uh, you know ignore or edit out significant parts of their lives you know um, same thing with uh, American culture itself you know um, you know his his argument uh, there is that uh, often like uh, America you know Uncle Sam you know Lady Liberty um, is is uh, kind of personified as a heroic nation. Um, But in order to do that, we have to leave out um, some serious things, okay? Um, Well, he was just talking about class one time, and he said, uh, this was about class, but, you know, I can see where where money factors in. Um, He said, two students of mine provided a demonstration. They drove around Burlington, Vermont, in a big, nearly new, shiny black luxury car, and then in a battered... 10-year-old subcompact. In each vehicle, when they reached a stoplight and it turned green, they waited until they were honked at before driving on. So you get the experiment. You, you got a nice car and you got a jalopy. Same kids, take the same route, you know. Um, at these intersections, they, they will not go until uh, someone honks at them, you right. know. That would stress me out, you know. I'm just going to sit at a light. It turns green. I don't move. I wait for the guy behind me to get angry, right? All right, so uh, what do you think happened? Was there a difference between the uh, the the subcompact, you know, the the lower class car, or the uh, luxury car that looked very expensive? I think there'd be a difference. I think that they they honked at the lower class car as opposed to the upper class car. Yeah, you'd be right. But because why else would I read this, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why would I bring it up? Uh, but in the luxury car, uh, the students enjoyed 13.2 seconds before anyone honked. Okay? Um, and it was, sorry, it enjoyed uh, a longer, it was 13.2 more seconds. Okay? It was only seven seconds to honk at the subcompact. So you're in your jalopy, you know, your regular old car, um, you know, looked like an average guy or maybe, um, you know, lower class. And you're you're at that green light, and somebody behind you goes, "Oh, they wait seven seconds before they honk that horn." Right. You know, you got your luxury car, and they've got thirteen point two seconds. Um, Lowen says, 
besides providing a good reason to buy an expensive car, this experiment shows how Americans unconsciously grant respect to the educated and successful. Since motorists of all social stations honked at the subcompact more readily, working class drivers were in a sense disrespecting themselves while deferring to their betters. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, the biting quip, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich, conveys the injury done to self-image of the poor uh, when the idea that America is a meritocracy goes unchallenged in school. So he's tackling some bigger issues there, but I also see that, personally, for my discussion, uh, I see that as evidence that um, we uh, possibly uh, tend to um, favor upper class. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think there's some things that go along with that. I think sometimes we respect wealth because we're hoping to get there too. You know, we're, we're in awe by it. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes a celebrity can happen for a person just because they're wealthy. Mm-hmm. We're like, wow, you know, look at what they're able to afford, you know? Yeah. And it gives, it gives us something to aspire to. I think sometimes it's also fear, you know? Um, I think sometimes uh, we favor the wealthy because we think, well, do they have the money to sue me? Do they have the money to influence um, local governments? You know, um, to get things their way. Yeah. And so um, I do think there are some real and imagined reasons uh, to to favor uh, wealthy people. But I also think that it's an indicator that we we live in a society where, um, you know, money, money is our religion, you know. Right. Um, Hmm. Right. And uh, here's uh, what are we up to now? Five. Um, you're Christian, but you think your money is yours and not the Lord's. Hmm. God gets 10%. I get 90%. Okay? This idea of my money. Someone's always trying to take my money. You know? Yeah. Uh, I've heard of people who keep ten, who are so wealthy, they keep 10% and give 90 Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, and everybody says, well, I'm cool with that. I just don't want the government taking it from me. Nobody's talking about that, okay? There's always this idea of like, hey, don't come at me, you know, with, with some kind of socialist ideas. You know, you get branded Marxist anytime you want to criticize um, the retaining of wealth, even in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Man, if you're not Christian, keep it all, you know? There's no standard for you, you know? Right. If you're making up your own way of life, if, if you're an atheist, then keep it all. Do what you want with it. Buy all the, all the power, security, and comfort that you want, you know? Right. Buy that all. Influence governments, you know? Um, buy your luxury car. Get an extra, you know, get an extra several seconds before people disrespect you on the <laughs> yeah. road, you know? Yeah, you get um, get flipped off a little bit less when you're driving your nice car, you know? Yeah. Um, but... Um, if you're saying you're Christian, um, you know, this idea that like, I, this is mine, okay? You know, the idea is God gave it to you. Uh, might I suggest this, okay? You know the parable of the talents, right? Mm-hmm. We actually get our English word talent from the parable of the talents. You know, we say that guy's very talented, you know, mm-hmm. he's got some skills, he's got some abilities. And we all see that as a metaphor, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, all these servants uh, were given a talent and some invested it and made it grow. You know, some took some risks but made it grow. Um, mm-hmm. Others buried it. Others hid it. You know, um, you know. I think the the guy who was criticized was the guy who did nothing with it. He buried it. He hid it. Right. Um, and we kind of look at that it, it, rightly so in the metaphoric sense. You know, um, if I have this talent, I need to use it for the Lord. If I have this other skill, I need to use it for the Lord. Don't bury it. Don't keep it for myself. Don't hide it. You know, don't live in fear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Might I suggest that if you uh, that your talent 
could very well be making money. You know, I have a daughter right now who thinks like a little business person. Mm-hmm. She's always thinking, how can I make money? How can I make it quick? You know, I have a goal. I want it. She comes up with business ideas. Um, yeah. She does it. She's got the brains. She's got the cuteness. She's got the creativity, you know, to, to make money, you know, even at the age of 10 years old. Yeah. Um, she's saving up right now to buy a zip line. Okay. Nice. This, this is what she wants in life, a zip line, right? Yeah. She, she very much <laughs> might be uh, the kid in our family that becomes the successful business owner, you know? Might I suggest that if your talent is making money, whatever, you're a good investor, you're a good, you know, venture capitalist, um, and you're Christian, and you're keeping all of your money for yourself, I mean, like a, like a high percentage of it, might I suggest... That you are burying your talent. Yeah. Yeah. Might I suggest that um, God gave you the brains, the creativity, that sense to sort of smell, uh, you know, a good investment or a good opportunity. Yep. Gave that to you. Mm-hmm. And you're making money with it. Yeah. And if you are storing it in the bank and thinking, man, this is great, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to have a great retirement early, you know. I can use this money to influence local people. I can use this money to get what I want. It's my safety net. Might I suggest that you are burying your talent, Mm. you know. And Mm. I I think you'll be called on that someday. And obviously that's between you and the Lord and, and not anyone else. Right. Uh, But I want to challenge somebody who's, who's, who's good at, who's good at making money. There are people that can do that. But I kind of feel bad for a person like that now too because you know it's just as Jesus said it's very hard for that person to enter the kingdom of heaven um, that's because you know back to this idea that the wealth we we lean on wealth you know as soon as we need something we start thinking how can my money do this for me mm-hmm. and that's why it's hard for that person that's one reason why it, it might be hard for that person to enter the kingdom of God you know you got a big safety net you know like you got millions or or uh, billions and money can literally solve most any problem that you have um, there's not this uh, impulse to rely upon the Lord you know right poor man's car breaks down he's praying about it he's like God I need to get to work how am I gonna get to work he may have to rely upon a community of believers to give him a ride to work you know raise money to fix his car you know a wealthy person doesn't have to do that you know they're like I got it you know what I mean I got seven cars what you know whatever right. I got seven garages full of cars all over the country yeah. you know I have three or four houses you know hurricane takes out one house I don't have to pray I can just move to my house in another city where the hurricane didn't hit yeah. you know and you see how it is hard for a rich man to become reliant upon God you can see why it's hard when Jesus says give that away well you don't want to because you're like oh, if I give it away I don't have the power. I'm not in control of it anymore. Right. You know. So, and then uh, I think uh, these are a little bit out of order, but I think finally, uh, maybe the sixth one I got is you associate money with wisdom. You know, business ventures are often risky, and there are many factors that you can't predict or control. You know, you can try your best, but, uh, you know, as Robert Burns wrote in his famous poem, the best laid plans of mice and men (laughs) gang off the glay. And if you can read it with a Scottish accent, um, uh, (laughs) Awesome. Good for you. you awesome. Yeah, we sleek it. Could and timorous beastie. I'll stop now. But if you read the footnotes, uh, the best laid plans of mice and men gang after glay means go often awry. You know, yeah. and you can do your best, and things can go bad. You know. Yeah. 
And um, um, <clears throat> but some things in business are in your control, like maybe location. You know, um, who you hire can mm-hmm. be partly in your control. Um, you know, provided you have a good sense of you know the integrity of the people you're hiring at the time. Yeah. Um, advertising can be partly in your control, depending on what your budget is. But much of it is not in your control, like uh, growth of your city, like population growth of your city factors into how well your business does. Um, you know, raises in property taxes, um, it, you know, equipment failure, um, you know, a late supply uh, of a shipment that you ordered can throw off a business, you know, and mm-hmm. cause you to lose money. Um, stock value, if you're an investor, you know, weather, you know. I mean, I know people have insurance, but, you know, sometimes weather affects things that um, your insurance doesn't cover, you know. Like if you need a supply of, you know, soybeans from the Midwest, you know, and we get, you know, we get um, storms and floods, you know, all up and down the Mississippi River, um, you know, that that can, um, you know, that can mess up your business, you know. And that's not something that really insurance can do. That's not like a direct hit from a tornado or something, you know. So these things all matter, you know. Um, and those are things that are really out of your control. But if you see it as one guy's successful, he was wise, and another guy's successful, unsuccessful, and he was foolish, that's another indicator, you know, that, you know, you see money as sort of like a religion, you know? Yeah. So there you go. A- any thoughts? Mm. Yeah, I think um, all those are good. I think that um, when we when we weigh out the idea of money and religion and how it becomes more important than our faith um because there's a difference between religion and faith too mm-hmm. i think that's a that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic too okay. because um but when you have more faith in the money than you do in jesus mm-hmm. then that's when you know that your understanding of religion is is backward um, so do you think i'm being too poetic by saying money is your religion um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's necessarily being um, too poetic. I think it's just it's it's more of a. It, it I think money is becoming your master. Okay. I think I think master is just the key word, right? Master. It's, okay. I mean, really, because well, that's that's the word Jesus used. Yeah. yeah no and, one can serve two masters. So. Right. And religion can become your master too over 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 your Jesus. Okay. Like, which is really interesting. I yeah, mean, it, that is interesting yeah. because people can say like, "Well, man, you are so religious." No, mm-hmm. I hope not. Like, I really don't. <laughs> um, because okay. because religion. Um, tends to lean towards legality, right? It's mm-hmm. like legalism and right. making sure that you are following every rule to the T and you're, you know, like, and if you miss, then it's like you whip yourself. You know, like, that's religious, <laughs> right. you know? Um, yeah. But you you can, you know, the your money can become your master and all those points are very valid. Um, you know, the guilt of this all is that when we are in the church, right, like, you mm-hmm. can... You know who you want to sit next to and who you don't. Okay. Yeah. You know that's when you can kind of also say like, when has your, when has your money become your master? Mm-hmm. Because money, I think even wealth can become, not just monetary. It is a um, cleanliness. You know, like okay. cleanliness can be considered wealth. Yeah. Because oh well, you know like oh, some people say like oh well that's not fair. Well, no, it's true. Mm-hmm. There are poor people who just cannot get clean. Yeah, I, th- I tend to think of I when you know when someone sees a, a rundown house, you know, a lot of people think like, you know, what a what a dirty person oh, must be lazy. 
you know? Yeah. And sometimes I see a rundown house and I think like, I bet that guy'd fix that roof if he had the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's like there's we have to be careful as to what we are considering wealth and and you know how we hold people up in that. Mm-hmm. There's a pedestal we put people on. Yeah. We have to be careful with that. Um, because then you have to say you have to always think too. Like so, if money is does become your religion, um, to use your word, right? Yeah. That, that um, when you look at James, James does clearly say that your religion is true religion that that God considers you know pure and right is when you care for the widow and the orphan. Mm-hmm. But when you care for the widow and the orphan, your money is given, right? I mean, sure. it's like because yeah, that's true, and I would say that that you know, if 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 you're a person that's good at making money, that's what I think would be using your talent. You know, yeah. Um, when we put people below James, I think I think it's James that also talks about this too. Is that yeah. when you have a poor person and a rich person, and you decide to put the poor person at the end of the table, mm-hmm. or even at the foot of the, you know, like on the floor, and you put the rich person ahead. You're missing the point. Like that's not how it should be. Right. Is that you? You don't push somebody off because a rich person enters the room. Yeah. It's like you hold each person at equal value, um, because and this is where it's like we start to you have to start switching our mindset. It's the it's the upside down aspect of um, servant leadership. Yeah. Right. You aren't looking to be the top of the the pyramid. You're actually looking to be the bottom. Yeah. You know, and you're, and it's actually the top of the pyramid's upside down, trying to help empower the people below. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's flipped, you know, and, and that's what I think, and um, you know, which is uh, which is why I I find it interesting how our behavior as Christians looks a lot like the world's behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, towards wealth and prosperity. Yeah. So. We just have to be wise. We have to be really, really wise and check and, and really check our spirit in that piece. Because where do we find ourselves being more pulled to? Are, yeah. we, are we more apt to sit next to the wealthier person or the poor person? Are we looking? And, and also, what can happen is we look to who can give us more, right? Well, we do. I mean, we look like, to who. And I think for me, you know, who a guy who barely cares about money beyond my, you know, paying the bills. But sometimes I think of um, what can the more connected person, what kind of opportunities can they open up for me, you know? Uh, I tend to think that way, yeah. you know? Like this guy is in a position of power, you know, he knows people yeah. um, and be on his good side, you know? Uh, you know meanwhile, a, a poor person is not connected, you know? However, uh, you know, um, <laughs> sitting next to a wealthy person might create opportunity to move up in the world, mm-hmm. um, favoring a poor person uh, is an opportunity to serve Jesus Himself, mm. you know, and move up in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the idea of networking, right? Yeah, I mean, we are in an age of networking. Like, yeah. I mean, social networking, obviously, but it's like you are trying to network. You are trying to build your, um, gosh, well, I don't know exactly. It'd be almost like you're you're trying to. You're trying to build your resources, yeah, and you're trying to look at people as resources, mm-hmm. and so then you look for the wealthiest to be the top. And yeah, then, yeah, you might have some who are not, but they're still like resources for for friendship or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you aren't really looking for them to be a 
a support to get, get you up anywhere. Right. Uh, and, and and we're looking we're always looking for our way up, you right. know. And um and, and one of the things that we have to be aware of, we just have to constantly be in our forefront and saying what are we putting ahead of Christ's desires? Yeah. And if money is causing us to put other things ahead of Christ's desires for us, then we're missing it. Yeah. If our desire is being defined by finances, we're missing it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we, you know, yeah, I can see where people say, well, you know, well, are you, how quick are you to just go ahead and look to your money to help you through the thing? But I'd also say that that's, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I would say, though, that, because I know people who would say, all right, I'm so glad I have this money. Thank you, Jesus, for see, providing that. But see, that would be a proper attitude. That would you be. Know? That would be. Mm-hmm. And But it's like you would say, though, like I know people who would go straight to, oh, man, I have the money. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jesus. Right? Not thank you, Jesus, I have the money. Right. But I have the money. Thank you, Jesus. Right? right? But then I also know people would say, man, I don't have the money, but thank you, Jesus, that I wasn't in the car when it exploded. Thank you, Jesus, that I wasn't in the car, <laughs> right. when, or, or they, I didn't wreck right. when the tire went out. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like thank you, Jesus. So it's like, so it's just the mindset, mm-hmm. and we always have to be in that mindset of what is glorifying God. Yeah. And if we are caring more about how fat our wallet is over our relationship with Jesus, then we're missing it. Yeah. So, how are we doing for time? Well, we are over our allotted 15 minutes to 15, okay. 20 minutes. But hey, you know what? I think it's been a good conversation. Yeah. And so we are going to post this list. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you want more, if you want to add more to the conversation, do it. We yeah, that's, it. that's basically what I'm asking people to do. Uh, if you can think of anything that, that I haven't thought of, I'm just kind of keeping aware of this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Well, with that, we're going to end this episode. Um, this is it's been fun. I think this is a, this is something for us to constantly be thinking about, especially in this time of where um, money seems to hold a lot of power, and mm-hmm. um, you know we tend to look at people in successful positions um, and say, "Wow, they have all that money. They must have done something right." <laughs> um, but there are people who don't have a lot of money who are doing things just as right. Yeah. And so we have to remember that too. So with that, um, hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We know it's a short one, but hopefully you'll be ready and prepped for the next one coming. (laughs) Um, But we hope that you have a good rest of your week or weekend. Um, But thank you for listening to this. And watch for this list on our Facebook page because it will be there and you can add to it. But for now, this is Bobby. This is Jared. This has been the Frankincense Podcast. And if you like what you're listening to, Go to iTunes, rate us, leave a comment, helps other people find us. It's great. Have a great weekend. Peace. Bye.